All right, good morning and welcome back to our second segment here this morning on Sports Talk Saturday. We're heading back to the Wester Hotline because Mike Catalana joins me. And uh, Mike, first and foremost, um, I think we I, I think I'll let you sort of officially bury the hatchet on this on this Jaguars performance last week. I'm I, I I've sort of talked about it at nauseum all week. I filled in for Mike Shope this week and Bulldog and I uh, there's just nowhere to hide from it. So I'll, I'll let you sort of put the uh, the final bow on this thing because I, I am ready to, to get into the Jets with you, uh, but I feel like I, I need you to maybe bury it for me, if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. Uh, I said at the time it was the worst loss under McDermott. I don't think there's any question in my mind. Uh, it was one of the few, if if not the only time, I've seen a Bills team take the field where they didn't look ready to play. Didn't mean they didn't play poorly in other spots. I think they got by in the Miami game, and I think they walked on the field not ready. And I and that's yeah, it's on the coaches, it's on the players more in that case. And they they had a little cocky edge to them going on the field. Dan Fates was on the field with us for us. He's like, it's different down here. They're not the way they should be. They mm. played that way. They tell us all the time, any team, any week, all that stuff. It's all true. And then they went out and proved yeah. what we sort of took as a cliche, you know, any week, any week. And they played that way. Can it, can it be a positive? Yep, I think it can be. I think it can be the wake-up call that they didn't think they needed, but they needed. And I think they can use it as a turning point. Unfortunately, it's a conference loss and all those hindsight things that are bad. But I think they will get past it. And I think it was a change of mindset that this team probably needed. 13 Wham and Fox Rochester sports director. He's also the editor for Buffalo Plus. Um, Mike, I, I I guess part of this conversation then has to transition to the offensive line. Spencer Brown expected to be back in the lineup tomorrow for the Bills against the Jets. That means Darrell Williams bumps down to right guard, and I think at least you can feel better about the right side. What about that left side? If Ike Butker is 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 the guy, which I I, I think is right. I I'm not sure that moving Cody Ford again is the best recipe uh, for success. But it's not like Ike has had a good run here either. I mean I mean Cody Ford maybe gets the attention because he's the guy they traded up for in the second round three years ago, and he's been sort of disappointed. I mean, disappointment's really the only word that I think is 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 probably FCC approved that you could use for his game. But like, right. you know, Ike Butker has not been much better, Mike. No, he hasn't been. And look, I don't think Dion's been Dion either, and that hurts, right? I mean, in terms of being like a uh, a very good or dominant player on the left, Butker next to him, he's Ike Butker. You put Cody Ford in the lineup, they keep moving him to try to find a spot for him. I mean, let's be honest. He's, he's been a failed draft pick. Yeah. They can't find a spot for him. And look, teams in the old days, people used to say, you're a guard, you're a tackle, this is where they play. I do agree with the idea of getting your best five on the field. Uh, Ike Butker shouldn't be one of their best five, and Cody Ford has proven he's not that guy. And if there's a place to criticize Brandon Bean, to me it's the offensive line. He spent, we've talked about this before, resources, financial, draft picks, and all that on the D-line. They've not really done it on the O-line. Hopefully Spencer Brown becomes that guy. They spent it on Dion, spent a little money on Mitch Morris. But, you know, bringing back Feliciano and Cody Ford and Darrell Williams was a bit piecemeal, and it's come back to bite them a little bit. And 
it is funny when you there's always questions. There's the two spots in this team, the production of the D line and the viability of the O line, which is not what you want to hear no. about a team you think can go to the Super Bowl. But um, yeah, I you know, I mean, I believe in the off season it's going to be a major change in the O line. That'll be their focus. But we're in the off season and we're only halfway through this, yeah. and they got to make it work. So let's see what happens. But yeah. Ike is a guy. Cody is not who they thought he was going to be, and I don't believe Dion has come back fully who he can be for this team. So, yeah, I got questions about the whole offensive line. Mike, and it's I think it's easy, especially last year at times, particularly when they went to Feliciano when Morse went down with that concussion. Feliciano yeah. bumped to center, and it felt like – that Sean McDermott had found a combination that that he had liked. And then, you know, they oddly bench but don't bench, whatever they want to call the whole thing with Mitch Morse. It lasted right. one more game, and then they realized, yeah, like Mitch Morse is your best option at center. I think this has been I, – I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm being maybe over – optimistic, but it feels like he's been their most steady offensive lineman, and I think he gets oh. scapegoated for whatever reason. He's sort of a guy people like to point to as 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 as, as someone that, that isn't helping the situation, rather hurting. Oh, I'm with you. I think he's been their best lineman, most consistent lineman. I think he's played well, and I don't know specifically. You know, you get different ideas or stories, or you hear different things about what happened at that point, but he's there, and I think they've been happy with him. And I think he is a leader, too. And I think that's what they've needed there. But um, Feliciano, you know, we talked about it at the camp and talked about it at the beginning of the year. Him coming back smaller was not the team's plan, and he did. And I don't know how that's impacted him. I think they would have liked it. You know, it's, it's such a rarity in the NFL. Usually when a guy loses weight, it's because the team asked him to, and he comes back as a different player. I don't believe they asked him. In fact, yeah. that's what Dable told us. They didn't ask him, and he hasn't been the same guy. And, but I'm with you on Mitch. I think Mitch Morris has been good, and I think they're happy with his play. And I think if everybody was playing at the level he was, I think they'd be happier with the line. And it was odd the way that worked out last year. And who knows specifically why when they bumped him around, but he's been back, and they're happy that they kept him in that spot because, again, he's been – I think I'm with you. I think he's been their most consistent guy. And when this offensive line, you know, before we kind of move on to some of the things defensively here and, and, and with Josh Allen, obviously the offensive line has just sort of been, Mike, the topic of conversation. And, and this is maybe dating back further than last week when I think, you know, ultimately Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen, really exposed some things. But it wasn't just Josh Allen in that game, Mike, that exposed problems. And, and in that game, too, I go back and I'm kind of watching the All-22 on that game, Mike, and one of the things I noticed is, particularly on the, on the inside, Mitch Morse really trying to do his best to cover up for both guards on each side of him. But yeah. in that game, Josh Allen gets a lot of the love because he ends up winning AFC Defensive Player of the Week, an interception, a forced fumble, and a recovery, a sack. But, like, there was more to that game than just Josh Allen in terms of shortcomings with that Jacksonville defensive line, right? Oh, yeah. They, they forced the Bills into some bad situations, and then Allen was the guy who made the plays for them. But they really collapsed that line. And uh, it was alarming, right? I mean, it's still the Jags. And Josh Allen, that Josh Allen is a talented guy. But that line should not be dominating the Bills no. the way they did. And 
you get back to the whole 111 thing, right? Cliche, cliche, cliche. But that's what ends up happening sometimes when someone is trying to cover for other players, mm-hmm. and and then you get out of position, and then it. And I liked it. You know, we're in there in Jacksonville talking to Mitch, and he was talking about the Bills, Josh Allen, and when he starts to, you know, question things and jump out of the pocket early, and Mitch was like, "Yeah, because." When things go the way they are, you, a quarterback's going to bail a little quicker. That's human nature. And it just built on itself. They got beat on the inside, caused problems on the outside, caused Allen to react. And like, I'm not giving Josh Allen, the quarterback, a pass here. He played terrible in the second half, made mistakes he can't make. But the line sort of set him up for the mistakes by getting dominated. And you're right. When you look at that, you're like, you do have to pay attention to your own job but it caused them issues all across the line. On the other side, no Tremaine Edmonds this week, Mike, against yeah. the New York Jets. And and maybe maybe people will look at that and say it's okay, it's just the Jets. But I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are with Mike White getting the nod for the Jets at quarterback, knowing what he did in route to that 400-yard game just a couple of weeks ago, that dink and dunk to the running backs. Michael Carter, their rookie running back from North Carolina, 14 targets in that game. How worried are you about that being a potential weakness or a, a point of emphasis for the Jets to really target against the Bills? And, and how important is, is is tackling and wrapping up going to be in this football game? Oh, yeah, that's going to be a key because that's what he's going to do. And he does take what's there. That's the way he's played. And this whole Mike White thing, you know, we may look back on it three years from now and be laughing. Remember the Mike White phenomenon? But that phenomenon may last for like a month, right? This guy is in this short window to prove something. And he's got the playing experience of a rookie, but he's been around the league. He's been around, and now he's getting his shot. And uh, he does play with a confidence that he doesn't deserve, but he does. And you listen to the people here. I talked to Dan Leberfeld, who covers the Jets. And he's like, oh, no, he, he plays with that uh, because he's waited for this opportunity. And he found that that worked, and he's fully happy to do that, meaning, like, that's how he's going to prove himself. So, yeah, without Edmonds, and it's funny, I mean, I, you can see it, Tremaine's played well. Oh, yes, he has. Over the last few weeks, and it's different. It's different without him on the field this week. And you know the way they use A.J. Klein. I like, you know, Klein gives them something a little different when he's on the field in terms of a pass, I guess, more of a pass rusher because he seems to let that more. But that's not what you need this week. What yeah, you need right. this week is covering people. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a problem. This is the NFL, though, right? Every week somebody's out, something's a problem, you've got to make up for it. But at least, at least they have that on tape from Mike White. It's not like when the Bengals got him and they really didn't know what they were getting. And, oh, no. and, uh, and then they got surprised by it. So at least it's not a lot, but at least they have that much tape on Mike White. Yeah, I, I guess I would agree with you there too. And 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 kind of last thing on the Jets here, Mike, is you know I, just watching watch it. I said this after the game on Thursday night, but like eventually they will need to make a thirty for thirty about Brian Flores' <laughs> management of the quarterback position because I've just never oh, seen anything like it um, in the NFL. And there has been some bad coaches, some bad quarterback situations. I just don't know that I've seen anyone more weird 
awkward um, than than what Flores is doing. What kind of tightrope, if you're Robert Sala, are you sort of playing here? We talked about this yesterday on the afternoon show, Mike, is I, I think you got to be careful here because especially in New York City, this isn't Cleveland. It's not Buffalo. Um, you know, it's not Carolina. This is New York City, and the New York City media and those that fan base can be ruthless. And if you're a rookie quarterback who has been bad, flat out, right. Zach Wilson has not looked good. You're almost playing with fire if if Mike White turns around and puts together a good performance. They score 28 points against the Bills, and they keep it close. Um, when can you go back to Zach Wilson? I like. I think you, there's a tightrope that Robert Sala has to walk here, I think, right? Yeah, and I guess you would look at it and say, it's not like it's, let's just pretend. It's not like it's Joe Flacco, and he's a veteran who's towards the end. That's right. playing him because the team's playing well. Mike White is still a young guy who could play. Like, if they didn't have another quarterback, or if Mike White was their number one pick, they'd be all in on him, right? So you've got to take that lens off it a little bit if you're coaching the team right now. Can they use it for a little while as a benefit and say, look, Zach Wilson played against, you know, St. John Fisher last year for BYU. Uh, nothing against my friends here in Rochester, but he did, like, right? And then he's not ready to play. So if you look at it that way, you say, okay, go ahead and play Mike White and let it play out a little bit. Does it give them some options? I guess. I don't, I don't know what they're getting out of Zach Wilson when he does eventually play, but it is a bit of a tightrope now. I was laughing with some friends in New York. I'm like, are we really going to pretend like the Jets have too many options at quarterback? Like, is this where we are right right, now? Right. But I do think for that locker room and that team, they realize Zach Wilson's not ready to play. He probably should be watching for a little bit because you do have an option of a guy to play. Like I said, if it was just him and Flacco, play Zach Wilson. What difference does it make? But right now he's going to play Mike White. I've got people telling me Mike White's going to play like this at the end of the year, they'll have an option of dealing Mike White and keep it. I'm like, wow, you're going a long way after a game plus. But if I'm him right now, I stick to it. I say he's playing. You use the injury to buy you a little more time. And you either wait till Mike White becomes uh, Dak Prescott or becomes, I don't know, Tony Romo, like whatever he is, or he just becomes, you know, a nobody who is a guy we look back on in a few weeks and go, remember when everybody's excited about Mike White. But you gotta, you got to be in the ear of your quarterback, Wilson. you got to be talking to him. you got to be pumping him up because you saw him on the sidelines Monday, or, uh, Sunday. They showed shots of him. He looks like a 12-year-old watching his big brother play, and he does. And then I watch Monday night and I, or Thursday night, and I'm watching a, a coach who doesn't appear to like either one of his quarterbacks handles them both poorly, ends up both of them playing at times when they're injured, and somehow they still win a game. Yeah, wild. But he's the, he, is the, he is the ultimate guy who has done a terrible job with a young quarterback and even dealing with guys who've been around the league. So, and somehow Flores won a game Thursday night. Yeah, I have no idea how that one ended up the way that it did, but that's the NFL for you, Mike. Um, I, I am I am obliged to ask you, as a Philly sports fan, what yeah. is happening with the 76ers and Ben Simmons? Like, are we that's quietly turned into like a Jack Eichel type 
yes. blank show. Uh, and yep. and I I don't know who necessarily to feel worse for because I'm inclined not to really feel much for Ben Simmons. Yeah, look, you bring up that brings up the mental health part of it, and I personally believe Rich Paul has done a horrendous job with this. Ben Simmons is not a bad guy. He is a guy that has some issues, and it's obviously a confidence issue because no one that talented should not embrace getting better and changing. Like, he is in great shape, plays hard. Think about it. All the things Ben Simmons does are the things people complain don't get done in the NBA. He's physical. He plays defense. He rebounds. He passes the ball, right? What he doesn't do is the thing people shoot the ball. Like, it's a rarity to say that. So he is a unique guy in that way. Have they made mistakes with him? Absolutely. The worst narrative is, you know, I see these national guys saying he didn't get supported in Philly. That's crazy. He was immensely supported to the point where a little bit of entitling him when they should have been pushing him a little more. Coaches, fans, media, everybody giving him the benefit of the doubt. But then Rich Paul comes out with this and blames Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid, the Sixers management, the fans, like all these things, and then talks about him not being mentally ready to play. And all Simmons has to do is share what he's doing on his own. And I think if he would have come to that initially, it would have been a very different dynamic. Um, They want him to do that. He's not doing it. He obviously needs to go somewhere else. But um, it's a mess. And the only solution is at some point he's going to get traded i don't think it happens till december when some of the guys who signed last year are available but it's it's bad for the sixers but it's i think it's really bad for simmons and his agent who's running around with adele when he should be paying a little more attention to his guy and i think he's let simmons down and simmons has let the team down Mike, appreciate you, my friend. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. And uh, in, in case the folks don't know where they can find yours and, and Dan's um, and everyone over there at 13 Wham's work, uh, where, where can they find it? Yep. Well, Buffalo Plus on YouTube is really the place. and we, We've had great response. Uh, we put up content all the time. In fact, Jenna Cottrell's with me in New York. We're, we just put up something that we did here on the game. We've got interviews, stories on the team, uh, news conferences, all that stuff. Just go on YouTube. Everybody's on YouTube. It's called Buffalo Plus, and that's where you'll find Dan, Jenna, and myself, and we'll have all the post-game stuff on there tomorrow. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you as always, and uh, enjoy your weekend. All right, Nate. Appreciate you. Mike Catalana there at 13 Wham and Fox Rochester. He's a sports director and, of course, the editor of Buffalo Plus on YouTube.